Hi, I'm Colleen, and you're listening to Pet News. I've been in the pet industry for over five years now, and instead of talking about the typical pet products like dog food and cat litter in this multi-billion dollar industry, I wanted to touch on some hard-hitting topics. Like, did you know animals on Instagram can make hundreds of thousands of dollars? The process of becoming a set animal working in production sanctuaries versus zoos, rescues versus breeders. Now my goal is to get facts, viewpoints, and differing opinions. Now they might not get along, but what we want to do as an audience is figure out what we can do to make the world a better place one animal at a time. episode of Pet News, we dive deep into the coronavirus and how it impacts our pets biologically. Amy Gilbreth of Found Animals is here to speak on if your pets can catch it. What do you do to keep your family safe and your animals safe? Your dog will not give you COVID-19. You can't give COVID-19 to your dog. Dogs and cats do get infected with coronaviruses, but they get different strains of coronaviruses than this one. Then we speak to crisis communications expert, Lee D'Angelo. If you have a social media following, she's the one you're going to want to listen to to make sure you're communicating properly with your audience. By actually producing the content that people love, you are doing a public good. So I'm speaking today with Amy Gilbreth, who is a animal guru, I guess I would say, in Los Angeles. She works and... She works for Found Animals, but I'll let you talk about your title and all that you do and why you are a huge expert in this industry. Okay, so my title is Executive Director at the Michelson Found Animals Foundation, but through that role, I get to interact with a lot of folks in the sheltering industry nationwide, as well as in the pet startup community. So I get to hear about what is going on both on the nonprofit and the startup side of the equation for pets and people. Do you have a plan in the future for these shelter animals and for people surrendering or even for, let's say someone has to go into the hospital for a few weeks to recover from this, or I mean, not to sound morbid, but even not recover from this. Do you have a system or anything in planning for those people that will be put into that place? Actually, the shelters have a plan for that. So that is one of the few types of animal intake that they will still take right now is if you are unable to care for your pet because you have COVID, then they can help you. And yes, there is a network of rescue groups and nonprofit shelters that is waiting to see what the needs of the municipal shelters will be and stands ready to mobilize the fosters that we've got in waiting. I think my biggest concern going forward is about the kittens, because right now we are at the very, very early edge of kitten season. But should this go on, we are definitely going to have a challenge serving the cats that normally flood into the shelter system in the spring and summer months. By the same token, though, we are all talking about what is our plan A, B, C, D, and E. And because we have lots of people willing to foster, we're confident that we'll still be able to help. It's just going to look different than it might have before. So we'll train people how to bottle feed baby kittens online versus in person and things like that. Okay. And can you tell us more about what the word is with the coronavirus in the pet space and what's actually going on? Sure. I'll start with what's going on in shelters because I think that's where the biggest concern has been. 
No one wants to see animals suffer or people. And many shelters around the country, including all of the ones I'm aware of in Los Angeles, have curtailed their operations because of the coronavirus. So they have limited the services that they are offering. They are actually asking people not to surrender their pets at this point in time. They are asking people not to bring in litters of kittens and they're providing resources on their websites and instructions for how to care for those kittens in place. They are limiting what they're having their animal control officers do to the really most emergency and dangerous situations that need to be handled immediately. And that means that there's just less services available to people with pets, which may be bad news as things go on. If people are losing their jobs and they're unable to care for their animals, we did see in the recession in 2008 that there was an increase in owner surrenders. So we're on the lookout for that. The bright side that has happened the last two weeks is as shelters have been having to ramp down in response to this, the outpouring of offers to foster animals has been enormous. And most shelters have been able to get all of their eligible pets out to foster and still have a waiting list of people that would like to foster an animal because that makes being stuck at home a little bit brighter and more fun. So in the short term, far less shelter services available, but way more animals out in foster. And so right now, everything is looking pretty good for pets and shelters. And we're going to keep monitoring the situation and let everyone know if we need to rally to support them. That is just amazing. That's very, very good to hear. And also, let's go back to kitten season and what's going on and what Michelson does during kitten season and how many cats you guys spay and neuter every year. So if folks are not familiar, cats are what's called a seasonal breeder, which means as the days get longer and it gets warmer, that is when they ovulate and get pregnant. And typically we see litters of kittens born to cats that either live outside without human support. These are feral cats or outdoor cats. There's a lot of different names for them or neighborhood cats that are sort of loosely owned and they have kittens. And one of the challenges is that a, either mama cat will legitimately have something happen to her because it can be a tough life to live outside as a cat, and then the kittens are orphaned, or simply mama cat does not really appreciate human company. And so somebody will be walking through their neighborhood, mom cat will hear them coming long before they see her, and she will make herself scarce, but the kittens are too young to run away. So now this wonderful concerned citizen finds what they believe to be a litter of abandoned kittens and scoops them up and wants to take them to the shelter thinking they'll be safe there. And little mm -hmm. baby kittens at that age are super fragile. They need to eat every couple of hours. And unfortunately, many shelters simply do not have the resources to support that. So unless they have a foster home available to immediately transfer that kitten, they literally sometimes need to euthanize the kittens the same day or else the kittens would starve and die anyway because the shelter can't feed them every two hours. So what we do in LA every year, along with several other groups, is pull hundreds and thousands of these kittens out of the shelter and into foster homes, support those foster parents in getting those kittens healthy and robust two months of age, and then we get them spayed and neutered and place them in permanent adoptive homes. How do you think COVID will impact the kitten season this year? Honestly, I don't know. I think it could go either way. If people are not out and about, they may find less kittens. And those kittens may then get older with their mother 
And then we'll see them come into the shelter maybe when they're four or six weeks old versus when they're one or two weeks old, which would be different. Um, and it's easier to care for kittens as they get older. Um, so we honestly, it's such uncharted territory. We just don't know. And a lot will depend on at what point we can get back to normal because the height of kitten season, when we really see the big intake and have the big bottleneck tends to be in July and August. And I certainly hope we're back to something like normal by then. I mean, I hope so. What have you, has there been talk in the pet world about COVID-19 and the direct impact with animals biologically? There has been a conversation. There've been lots of conversations. So they, they go along kind of two realms. One is can animals catch, carry and infect humans with COVID-19? And the answer to that, according to the AVMA and the World Health Organization and others is no. Your dog will not give you COVID-19. You can't give COVID-19 to your dog. Dogs and cats do get infected with coronaviruses, but they get different strains of coronaviruses than this one. What your dog or cat can be is what's called a fomite. And a fomite is an object that germs get on and then get passed around. So a great example of a fomite that we all carry with us is our phone. If you cough or sneeze on your phone, even if you wash your hands, if you don't sterilize your phone, after you wash your hands, when you pick your phone back up, those germs from your cough and sneeze are still right there. Same thing with a pet. So if I'm sick and I'm cuddling my cat or dog, I cough or sneeze on them, and then my cat walks into the other room and my grandma cuddles with the cat, the cat can be a fomite that has carried my germs from me to someone else. So shelters are thinking about when animals come in from someone who may have had the disease, how can we uh, essentially decontaminate the animals? And that is gonna be a consideration for people who are caring for pets if a family member or a friend comes down with the disease. So the dog can't carry it, the cat can't catch it and give it to you in that way as a, as a sort of a, a vector for the virus, but they can have it on them. And so you need to be aware of, of decontaminating. What about the ones of, or what about the people that heard or have been reading online about the dogs in China who caught the disease or all the face masks that are being put on the dogs overseas? Fortunately, those have been debunked. There was one animal in Asia that tested weekly positive. And what they have concluded happened in that case is that his owner was sick. And so his nasal swab was positive because he had picked it up from a surface in the home, not because he himself was infected. So I heard online as well. I mean, you know, you read everything online, but there was a dog that had the disease in China um, and passed away while it was in quarantine. But what I also heard of that was that it was an 18 year old small dog um, that already had underlying conditions. And I just know being a pet owner that I would love to put at ease to other people um, and having older dogs is if they're not with their owners in a new situation, that's a higher level of stress and dogs are more likely to pass away away from their owners. Yeah, my um, understanding is that that particular pet um, was in quarantine, did not have the virus himself, and actually um, passed a couple of days after getting back to his owner. But to your point, having been in a very high stress situation as a very 
senior animal, I chalk that up to the situation and not that animal actually having the virus. Overall, everything that you've said has been very relieving to me. I've been worried about my dog. Um, is there anything or any other fake news articles that have been out there that you've seen that also need to be debunked? No, I mean, the biggest concern is people thinking that their animals can carry or pass the virus and that they should therefore give them up. That's the one that's been the most concerning. And so I'm really glad that the data is coming out that, that reassures us that we don't have to worry about it. Um, I would say just, you know, your pets love having you at home, but they also pick up on your mood. And so I would encourage everybody to manage their own mental health and get outside and get some fresh air and take the time to play for yourself because it's really important for you, but also for your animal. Because if you are a stressful and really worried and worked up, that is going to pass on to your animal. And uh, we all, human and pet alike, need to take care of each other over these next few weeks. I love that. That is just the nicest thing you could say in this. <laughs> I mean, is there anything else, of, any other little bits of wisdom that you have that we can pass along to our audience? Um, I would say we are seeing a, a great trend and Nextdoor is a great um, vehicle for this that, you know, check in on your neighbors, check in on your neighbors who have pets, um, your elderly neighbors, if they are at risk and they don't want to go out, but they have a dog that needs to go out. I have a suggestion for how you might do that with them so that you can have a no touch pickup, which is if it's safe to do this, depending on how the building is structured, what you can do is ask the person inside to put the dog on a leash, hook the leash over their doorknob on the inside, put the dog outside and close the door on the leash. You, as the volunteer walker, ideally wearing gloves, come along with a separate leash, hook that separate leash to the dog's collar, unhook them and leave the other leash there for when you come back, Take the dog for a spin around the block to do their business. Recall if you're worried that this person may have COVID, don't put your face in the fur and snuggle. Don't touch the dog where you're not gloved, but you can help out your neighbor. You can take it the dog for a walk. And then when you come back, you can text them. You can clip the dog to their leash that's uh, still hooked on the inside of their door so that they can bring the dog in. And then you go home, you put your leash in the wash. Ideally it's a fabric leash and you take off your gloves and you have done your good deed for a neighbor who can't get out of the house. That's absolutely brilliant. I and mean, what about the people that are taking their dogs still to dog parks and their dogs are playing with other dogs? That makes me concerned because I feel like the dogs could pass it, not to each other, the disease, but if their owner might have it or you're talking to their owner, the dog parks, it just, that just worries me. I, I share your concern. I don't think that taking your dog to a dog park right now uh, aligns with the spirit of social distancing, even if it's not banned by the letter of the law. So I would encourage folks to find other ways to get your dog out. I know that dogs need exercise or they go stir crazy. We actually created an article on some things that you can do indoors with your dog 
if you have stairs, you and your dog can play chase games up and down the stairs, assuming their legs are fine, of course. You can create games where you hide their favorite treats around the house and turn it into a bit of a scavenger hunt for them. You can create a doggy obstacle course, just like you might with a toddler um, and use the couch cushions and create a fort and do all kinds of things. So there are creative things that you can do to get your pet's energy out. I couldn't agree with you more. Amy, you're amazing. And thank you so much for doing all of this research and sharing it with our audience. Now on to our next speaker. If you are a pet influencer or a brand that is concerned about how to communicate any information about COVID-19 or at any point in time in a crisis to your audience, Lee D'Angelo is who you want to hear from. She is here to talk about maintaining effective communication during a crisis. Lee is a communication strategist for NASA in New Orleans. She also teaches journalism, as well as a course called Media, Terrorism, and Disasters to Master Students in Homeland Security Studies at Tulane University. She does media consulting for a variety of businesses, and importantly to us here in the pet world, she's the CEO and co-founder of Dig, the dog person's dating app. Dig is an app that builds relationships so pet lovers and pets can live healthier, longer, and more joyous lives together. So Lee, as an expert in crisis communication, how do you communicate to your audience at a time like this? Effective communications is not just about shouting at people and disseminating information. Effective communications is equally disseminating and listening to people. And so if you're hearing from your um, you know, uh, followers or from your customers or other stakeholders questions and you know not the exact expert for this, that still gives you the opportunity to talk to your partners, talk to people like Amy at Found Animals, uh, if you have specific questions that they might be better for. That'll help you provide that relevant information and you know it's important to your community because they're asking for it, right? Our team's actually been asking for that. What direction would you point them in for more information? The number one um, spot right now for information about the virus would be coronavirus.gov. Um, that's going to link you directly to the CDC's updated page. Um, it not only has numbers that are important that they're constantly updating, but they've got a lot of content there you can use if you need help with messaging. So if you want to take something that you know is as per the government and the CDC, I would go to that location to grab and see what type of language they're using, what type of facts they're sharing right now. That's brilliant. I mean, everything right now is changing so rapidly, day to day, the news that we're getting. What do you recommend we do? I'll start with something you should not do. So uh, one of the points I really like to make is don't overexert yourself from the beginning. And what does that mean for an influencer? Right now, you probably, like all of us, have this crazy energy and excitement and anxiety, and you want to do a lot for your community. But if you start putting into place things like, I'm going to do a live Facebook you know, um, Q&A every day at 2 o'clock, and I'm going to answer every direct message that comes to me on Instagram, and you start putting these processes in place with your community too early on, drop those off because you'll realize how much work that is, then they won't trust you that any of those basically lanes of listening will be open. 
So if you are trying to say you're doing too much from the beginning and you try to slow those down without a process in place, it can actually ruin that trust with your community. They won't then turn to you saying, okay, going forward, you're not the person to get these questions answered or to listen to. And so right now, you know, the difference between Friday and Monday, like you said, could be uh, extreme in terms of the information we have and what we're talking about. But for yourself, put yourself in a position that you can actually take control of now. And to our influencers that are listening to this, I don't want you to not do anything. It's just a matter of picking the right thing that is for you and your audience. And most importantly, we just don't want your fans to lose trust in you. Absolutely. This right now, also, if you're if you do have that nervous energy and you feel like you should be doing something again, don't over communicate to your community, but take this time to reach out to your partners, figure out who those experts are that you trust that do come up. You can say, hey, check out this blog written by this person or go listen to this podcast. I believe in this person because I have a personal relationship with them. So you should, too. Mm-hmm. I think for the vast majority of us, most of what we do is uplifting. And this is a really sad time. And having us as creators create content that is happy and uplifting content is also so important right now in a time like this. If you feel the need to or the want to do that, obviously, that is nothing to do with the virus, just to give people a little bit of a break. Right now, a lot of people will be stuck at home and consuming content. Pet content is some of the happiest online, so it also is really a very important part of our culture for us to be posting stuff and to be helping uplift this community. And Colleen, that's such a good point because you're actually doing a public good. You're serving the public by giving people something that is a de-stressor, that is another form of communications as they're sitting there that isn't anxiety producing. And that is hugely important. And in the pet space, we know how much our pets already do that for us. You have that ability that they're, they're combating loneliness, they're helping with different types of mental and physical health. And you, as the curator of this community, as an influencer, have the ability to keep doing that, not thinking that, you know, I'm just trying to maintain regular communications. I'm just trying to do something fun on the side by actually producing the content that people love. You are doing a public good. Yeah, I think so. I love seeing our influencers getting out there and doing nice things. If you want, I mean, if you're too anxious about posting right now, then you also don't need to. Um, and you can just stay home and enjoy the time with your dog. This is really just to get out there and help and help our community learn more about what's going on and come together and see what we can do to make this situation better. Absolutely. I I'd love to give an example of what we're doing at DIG um, right now on dating apps. Uh, as you can imagine, engagement is through the roof as people are sitting, chatting, by themselves at home going on their apps. And for dog lovers and pet lovers specifically, normally our messaging is get off the app, go meet them because you have to make sure you're compatible. The dogs have to meet in person. And so immediately as this started happening, we realized we have to not only shut down that sort of communication, 
but we know our community needs to hear from us. We are not encouraging you to go out. Instead, the opposite. Set up those future first dates. Set up those dog park plans so your you and your um, dater uh, people you're dating can can meet and make sure the dogs can meet. But don't go out there now. And so, really understanding why you're the best person to share that message, uh, like we are in terms of dating with your dogs, will will assert you as the expert in that area. What would you, this is a random question off what you said that I had an idea on. Uh, what would you recommend to our influencers with 100,000 followers or less or more? And they want to share some information about what's going on, but they don't want to overly seem like an expert. They want to be posting something uplifting or posting a little bit of information but not and share their concern and let people know that they're thinking about it, but not, but I guess they don't really want to go out there and be the next pet expert, what would you recommend? I have two recommendations for that. If you kind of think of yourself and your organization as part of a flow chart, so who's above you and who's below you in terms of um, where you stand in, in your messaging. And what I mean by that is the people who you're talking to, if they're asking you questions and you, you leave those lanes of listening open, then you're going to know what's relevant to them. So you can provide them with that type of information that's not going to put you in, uh, you know, trying to reach out and guessing this is what people want to hear. You know they want to hear it because they're telling you. So that's kind of bottom up deciding what you're going to talk about. The other way of thinking about it is what actually is affecting you as an influencer right now? And so, for example, if you're on Instagram, what would you want to hear from Instagram that would actually affect your job and your life and your well-being? And if you can think about it that way, you know, for example, this is completely random, but if they were to talk about um, decreasing bandwidth because of the number of people that they had to send home, that's an exact fact information that you're going to hold on to as an Instagram influencer because it's something that might affect your day-to-day -day job. So if you can say, okay, what would affect me? Um, that's a great framework for type, thinking about the type of facts that your community then wants to hear from you. But also your community might love to hear that. They might love to hear specifically what's affecting you that might not be affecting them. Um, passing down that information that is a way of making it personal and a way of making it unique to you and your um, community. And the interesting thing with knowing your community, a lot of our animals are overseas and all over the world and some of our fans, whether you're in the U.S. or international, you could have a fan base in the U.S. or a fan base in Asia, um, take this time and the takeaway is to get to know those fans. Like, it's this disease is impacting the entire world. And if you get to know your fans, you can build a deeper and a more significant and stronger bond with them and increase your engagement and increase, you know, your fan base and your trust with them. To your point, um, the flow chart, I think that for our influencers asking questions on their stories can really, really help with that stronger bond. And I mean, at the end of the day, we're all we're all in this together. And what you should know what you would want to hear in this situation, and maybe do some research on that. Reach out to us, and like we're here to help you all uh, figuring out what kind of the best thing in for your audience is to do. So um, just let us know. 
Also, another big, big thank you to Amy from Michelson Found Animals Adopt and Shop. You did so much research on this to make sure you're spreading the right information to the audience, and I genuinely appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Amy is one of the people that I really admire in the rescue world. I'm just a huge fan of hers, okay? <laughs> are I am just beyond happy to hear the outpouring in love in the fostering world of people that are home. And if you are thinking of fostering, kitten season is coming up and how you can help is to foster kittens. I've done it with a big dog and it is genuinely a lot of fun with little kittens running around and it's just something that will brighten anyone's day. And on another note, I don't know about you, but I am personally so relieved to hear that my pet cannot catch this version of the coronavirus. Now the virus is evolving, so that may change in the near future. I just plan on staying up to date, and as these pet news keep coming out, I can post about that if that's something you're interested in. It's also super important to know that your pet can transfer it if someone pets them that has the virus. So, Again, I don't know about you, but after this, I'm going to give my dog a nice dog bath just to be safe. And if you are safe at home and keeping everything clean and your dog isn't interacting with others, you should be fine. But keep up to date. And like Lee brought up, make sure you go to coronavirus.gov to stay updated on the CDC website. On the next episode, we are going to change away from the coronavirus and we're going to be talking about the Tiger King. If you have not watched this on Netflix, it is so chaotic and the craziest TV I have seen in a very, very long time. I'm going to be speaking with experts in the exotic animal world and see what exactly is going on. So make sure you subscribe to Pet News and shoot us a note on some other animal topics that we should be covering. What are you doing to make the world a better place one animal at a time? Mm -hmm.